0: Proverbs chapter 31. You knew we were going there, didn't you? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I had, uh, as you pray about special services, what the Lord would have you to preach, uh, you're thinking, well, Lord, I've preached out of Proverbs 31 on Mother's Day, I don't know how many times, over 26 years of of ministry, I'm sure I've preached out of Proverbs 31 many times on Mother's Day, so I was really trying to ask the Lord, give me something special, all right? Uh, I know every other preacher in the country is going to be preaching out of Proverbs 31 today, and I want to be your favorite child and give me something special to preach. and then lo and behold he led us to Proverbs 31 and believe it or not we found something special in Proverbs 31 aren't you glad no matter how many times you read the word of God No matter how many times you you delve over Into the pages of scripture uh, The word of God is quick and it's living And God always has something wonderful for us And I'd have you to remain seated this morning If you don't mind as we read Because we're going to read several verses Beginning in verse number 10 A classic passage here for our ladies and our moms And might I add here for our young men Who are looking for a lady in your life uh, Get to know Proverbs 31, All right, It's God's blueprint uh, for the virtuous woman And it gives you an idea of what to look for. Uh, Look, I've seen how some of our young men pick out their clothes, and they don't need to be picking out their wife, all right? They need a pattern to go by, and Proverbs 31, beginning in verse number 10, is a great pattern for our young men uh, to look at as far as what God would have for them uh, in that virtuous woman. So that'll be another sermon for another day, but let's begin in verse number 10. The Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth forth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that the merchandise, her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth, the Bible says, forth her hands to the needy. Pay attention to that. Verse 21, "'She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple.' Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing and she hath rejoiced in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Watch verse 27 and we'll pray. The Bible says she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much, Lord, Lord, for the wonderful opportunity we have to be at your house on a special day, Lord what a special occasion we mark today by honoring our mothers and the mother figures in our lives the ladies that you've sent in our lives that have influenced us and Lord I know we could give list after list of all of the ladies you've sent in our life to be a blessing to encourage us and Lord to help us make us what we are today I pray that you bless each one that's here help us be an encouragement to them and then Lord I pray that every one of us would be challenged by the testimony of this dear lady we just read about and Lord, we will respond to your will according to your word this morning for it's in Jesus name we pray amen i was reading through this passage of scripture this week and obviously we're reading about a lady Uh, but as we read through this passage of scripture what we're reading about really is nothing less than the record of a role model Uh, this lady is a tremendous role model i'm sure we're thinking maybe as husbands or our our children yes this is a wonderful role model uh, for my wife or for my mom or maybe for you single guys for your future wife that is out there Uh, but as we read this account here i want you to pay close attention This is God writing, and God thought enough about the testimony of this dear lady to include her in the very word of God. Now you think about what an honor that is, that this lady, we're not given her name, this lady lived such a life that God would look down and use her as an example for us to look to as the example of a godly, or as verse 10 says, a virtuous woman. Now as we read this, obviously we're speaking about a lady, a wife, and a mother, but can I tell you this morning, this is going to be the angle we approach these time-honored scripture with today. Uh, When we look at this, this is really not just about the Proverbs 31 woman. This is really about a Proverbs 31 Christian. This lady serves as a powerful and a wonderful example, not just to ladies this morning. I'm sure some of us husbands may have come to church, and we're thinking, wow, I'm so thankful for Mother's Day. I get to bring my wife to church today, and the preacher gets to straighten her out. You know, once a year, she has to kind of be recalibrated, and Mother's Day is the time when the preacher gets to get my wife back on the straight and narrow so she'll be the wife and the mother she needs to be. Well, look, that's not the message this morning. I believe we can look at this lady in Proverbs 3, 31, and not just see an example of a godly wife and mother. I believe every one of us here today could look at this dear lady and find the godly example of what a Christian ought to be in our life. The same principles that she lived by that made her a great wife and made her a great mom would make us all greater Christians if we just followed her example. And so this morning, as we look at this role model, we ask this question. What made her such a role model? Because obviously, God, listen, I believe in the inspired and errant word of God. It's no mistake that her account, I hate using the word story because sometimes stories are not true. They're, they're fictional. This is not a fictional account. This is a true story of a godly lady that our father chose to put in his word for us to be able to look to at not only the godly example of a wife and mother, but of a Christian. So this morning, we're going to look at three simple truths. Brother John told me not to say that I'm not going to preach long, but I know our kids are not in children's chapel today. Uh, Kids Central, the big reveal is next Sunday. And so we, we got everything torn apart. Nobody can see it right now. So our kids with us and I know they may have some wiggles to work out. So I'm not going to keep you any longer than we need to. But today we're going to look at the making of a role model. What made this lady what she was and who she became that God would put her in his book for us to look to? And I believe there's three things in all of these scriptures. Now, look, we could preach on this chapter for years. There's so many good things here that we could all learn from, but three in particular, I think, will help us become a better example of who God would have us to be. Now, look, if you will, to verse number 10. The Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? I want you to notice the rarity of this example right off the bat. Rubies are not something you find on the side of the road. Rubies are not something you find at garage sales. Rubies are not something that you find uh, in the lint thing on the dryer, is it? No, you don't just stumble upon rubies. Rubies are something that are hard to find, and yet I believe the example of this woman is the example of a Christian that we all could be. You say, why is that? Romans chapter 2, the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. Aren't you glad? We're all guilty of being respecters of persons, but the Bible says there's no respecter of persons with God. That means that our lives could become this role model as this lady's life is. We could have the same outcome, but look, if we want the same outcome that our life is the role model to others like her life is a role model to us, listen, in order to have the same outcome, we've got to have the same ingredients, right? Right? All right? If you want the same outcome, you've got to have the same ingredients. A good illustration here that I just lived through the other night, uh, or a few weeks ago, actually, Uh, I was creating some nachos, one of my favorite foods, whole wide world, nachos. And uh, not just the nachos you get at a restaurant, but homemade Rotel. How many of you do the Rotel with a Velveeta? All right? I think it's just about all American as apple pie, right? And so I go by Dollar General, get a couple of bags of tortilla chips. We need two at our house. Because uh, we all like Rotel. And uh, I got the uh, Rotel tomatoes. We need two cans of those, two. I um, mean, it's just kind of wimpy if you don't have two cans in there to spice it up a little bit. And then I go over to the Velveeta aisle. Horror of horrors. There was none. I thought, you know what? My prayer life is, is, is pretty good lately. Been batting, you know, 500 on my prayers. I'm going to walk around the corner, say a quick prayer, that there are going to be a Velveeta there when I go back. Went around the corner and I I prayed over in the frozen food section. Came back around and lo and behold, I was struck out. There was no Velveeta there. All that was there was this pasteurized cheese product. Its best best way I could describe is a loaf of cheese. It was a Velveeta knockoff. Now I hate to tell you, there is no substitute to Velveeta. The pasteurized cheese product just won't do. But that's all that was there, and I thought, well, it's better than melting down the shredded stuff. You ever melted down the shredded stuff? It doesn't work either. It just clumps up into this glue, and you mix, try to make It just doesn't work. And so we got the off-brand stuff, the pasteurized cheese product. We melted it down, we poured the tomatoes in, we blended it up, and it looked right. I'm being honest with you. I was kind of hopeful that God had multiplied it, you know, and transformed it in the bowl to become authentic, genuine Velveeta. And I dipped the first chip in there, and it was evident right off the bat it was not the good stuff. It was not what I was looking for. Why? Because it wasn't the same ingredients. If you want the right outcome and you want what you're looking forward to, you got to have the same ingredients. Now, I don't know about you, but as a child of God, I want my life to be a role model type life. I want to leave behind a testimony as in Abel, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, that even being dead, I want to speak. I want my testimony to guide my daughter. I want my testimony to guide those that I come in contact with. but in order to have the right kind of testimony that leaves behind that role model type of life, we have to have the right ingredients. So what was the right ingredients in her life? Well, notice the first thing that she understood. The Bible says that who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. When you speak about price, you're speaking about the value of something. So notice, if you will, she understood the value of her life, the value of her life. Now, it's important to remember who's writing. Ultimately, this is God's words written about her. This is God, the one that is giving the illustration, the example of the character reference. And I want you to tell you something. Listen, God doesn't just pour out flattery, all right? This is not a record of flattery. This is a record of faithfulness that was determined by God. Now, folks, understand this. We as humans, we like to flatter each other, don't we? Somebody told me the other day, boy, I think your hair is growing back. Oh, my goodness. They made it up the Christmas card list. They're going to be getting something. I don't know. I might even try to make them a fruitcake. Why? Because, boy, but I know my hair is not growing back. Every time one of you post a baptismal picture from up there, I'm reminded of how much hair I'm losing because you're up high and I'm down low, and all I see is my bald spot shining. But, boy, it made me feel good. Your hair's growing back. Yesterday we were working up there at Kid Central, or, or the day before yesterday, we were painting on the wall, and I had my Disney World Crocs on. I didn't want to get paint on them, so I was painting barefooted. And I apologized to Brother Bo. I said, Brother Bo, I apologize for for painting barefooted, but I didn't want to get paint on my shoes. And he says, well, uh, after marriage retreat, your toes look a whole lot better. That's an inside joke. Some of you will get it. Some of you won't. If you don't get it, ask somebody who just laughed, and they'll tell you, my toes have never looked good. I appreciate it, Brother Bo, but my toes have never looked good. We as humans are very guilty of flattery. We try to make people feel good. Can I tell you, this is not flattery from God. This is a record of faithfulness on behalf of this lady. This is God saying, look, this is who she is. Now, can I tell you, regardless of who we think we are, and regardless of who we tell each other who we are, and the the flattery we pour on each other, who we really are is who God knows we are. Notice what the Bible says. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. If I could pass along something to our moms, our wives, and everyone here today, it's the simple fact that God is the ultimate appraiser of our character. We are who God knows we are. Oh, we look nice this morning. I mean, our ladies had those nice hats on over there uh, in the breakfast line. We look so sharp, and we can dress up so nice. But you know, we are who God knows us as. God can see the inward man of the heart, and God knows us for who we really are. And this morning, if our life is going to be a role model type life that we come behind, and others can look to our life as an example, we must understand that the true value of life is placed by God. My life is not valued by what I think it is. My life is valued by what God says it is. That's why Romans 12, the Bible says, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We're tempted to do that, aren't we? We look in the mirror and say, boy, we look good. Uh, I think all of us walked out the door this morning thinking we look decent, and probably half of us walked out the door this morning thinking we look good. But truthfully, God knows how we look on the inside. I was thinking about that show, Antiques Roadshow on PBS. Once again, I have to be really bored to turn on PBS, but sometimes you just need a little noise in the background and it's the best thing on. We watched this show called Antiques Roadshow. Y'all watch that? Antiques Roadshow? And I just can't help but laugh. If you've been on there and got laughed at before, please don't hold this against me. But these guys come in there and this guy has this nice sword and he says, Well, what do you have here? I have Napoleon's sword. My great, great, great grandmother passed this down through the ages, and we've been holding on to it for years because it's Napoleon's sword, and they got it off the battlefield and was presented to him for valor and honor and all of that, and the the guy sits there, and he begins to appraise it and looks at it. He says, well, would you like to know the truth? He says, absolutely. Guy has a big smile on his face. Oh, that cash register's fixing to ring, and he's going to be a millionaire and quit his job. The guy says, sir, I hate to tell you this. This was made in 1997 in China. It did not come from your grandmother. It was not Napoleon's sword. I hate to tell you, you're wrong. And watch this. They are sorely disappointed as I would be. I'd be mad at my grandmother for telling me that story. But understand this, watch this. They're the appraiser. They're the ones who get to assess the value of what something is. And understand this, God is the appraiser of our life and our testimony, and we're not what we think we are. We're not what others say we are. We are who God knows we are. And this morning, if we're going to live a role model type life, we're going to have to measure up to what God says is valuable. What does God say is valuable in verse 10? Who can find a virtuous woman? God says virtue is valuable. Now, I know in the world today, virtue is not valuable, but can I tell you something? If you have a godly wife, a godly daughter, a godly mother that's virtuous, the Bible says that her value is far above rubies. Now, folks, look, you say, well, I'm not that, and that may be disappointing. It's better to get disappointing down here than to get disappointed up there, because at least we still have time down here to do something about that. Now understand this real quickly. The value of life is what she was working for is to what pleads God. If we want to have a life that's valuable to God, the things of God must mean something to us sooner or later. Now the sad truth is today that oftentimes the things of God really don't come into the scope of our priorities list until later in life and we miss out on the great opportunity of youth. That's why Ecclesiastes 12, the Bible says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Why? Because you're more valuable when you're young. You have more health. You can get a whole lot done. When you're older, you have wisdom. That's valuable to God. But as you get older, your health goes down, right? And you can't do everything you could. And so God says, if you want to be valuable to me, the things that matter to me must be valuable to you. Sadly today, we have our value system off in America. Uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday we were at Brother Nate's hanging in some cabinets, and I lost the tape measure. I couldn't find the tape measure I couldn't figure out which cabinet was 30 inches, 32, and 33 inches long. And so I remembered that my cubit is about 18 inches long. This is no joke. I was measuring cabinets with my forearm. Walking through there, Brother Nate's looking at me like, what are you doing? I was laying my arm. I said, I think this one's 36 because 18 plus 18 is 36. But I hate to tell you, I got it wrong. Why? Because my measuring stick was not too accurate. You know, I thought that I could guess what it was by my measuring stick, but my measuring stick didn't matter. And when it comes to value in life, can I tell you the only measuring stick that matters is God's. God's the only one who can assess value to our life. Here's the sad truth this morning. So many of our young people are trying to live up to the standard of what the world calls value. And watch this. They're trading what God calls valuable for what the world calls value. And, oh, they're trading the good stuff for the knockoffs. Why? Because watch this, virtue is valuable to God. It says, who can find one? They're hard to find. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, the Bible says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. How often in this life do we assess value by material gain? I've got a lot of this. I've got a big shiny This. Mine is better than yours, my house is bigger than yours, my car is more shiny than yours, my bank account is bigger than yours. But can I tell you, the Bible says that our life doesn't consist amongst the abundance of things that we possess. God says what I value is virtue. I read some interesting articles this week on this topic that I think will surprise you at just how skewed the world's value system is. Several years ago, a Brazilian manufacturer put a UFO detector It's run off AA batteries on eBay. The detector could detect fluctuations in the Earth's magnetic field caused by visitations from alien spacecraft. The final winning bid was $135.03. Now, don't raise your hand if you bought it, all right, because I'll think less of you. (laughs) Somebody put value on that. A UFO detector, and of all things, it runs off AA A batteries. How could could it be if it only runs off? If it plugged in, Brother John, maybe. I mean, maybe I would buy that just to see. Because some of you, I'm not sure that you're from here anyway, so maybe that would come in handy. But somebody put value on that. I'll give you another one: a grilled cheese sandwich said to bear the image of the Virgin Mary sold on eBay for a whopping twenty-eight thousand dollars. I'm thinking we got to figure out some way to burn grilled cheese to look like people. $28,000. See, how could somebody do that? The value system in our world is off. It's skewed. This was probably one of the saddest ones. A potato chip shaped like a cowboy went for $1,000 and already already chewed piece of gum by Britney Spears, sold for $263. How could people pay that? Because they valued it. They valued it. The value system in America is off. The Bible says what God values is virtue. And if we want to live a life that is a role model type life where others come behind us and can find direction, we're going to have to understand the value of life is what God says it is. First John two sixteen. for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world puts value on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The value system of the world is off. God says, listen, if you're going to be a role model, it's not what you have, it's who you are, and you need to be virtuous. Remember this, and I'll give you the second thing. If you're valuable to God, you'll be valuable to your family. We sang about it a moment ago. If you're valuable to God, you're going to be valuable to your family. So what do you mean by that? Remember Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom had the home where they brought the the Ark of God. When they brought it up from the Philistines, they put it in the house of Obed-Edom. The Ark of God represented the presence of God that went with the children of Israel. And when they brought brought in the Ark of God into his home, the Bible says that God blessed his household. Because Obed-Edom made room in his house for the presence of God. You see where we're going with this? Folks, listen, your children will be blessed if you will make room in your heart and your life for the (laughs) presence of God. I assure you, listen, if you will make God and the things of God of value in your life, I'll promise you, you'll be more valuable to your children. I say this all the time. So thankful to have my parents here this morning. I have my sister here as well. We would both tell you the same. There she is over here. My parents are over here. My sister over here. We would both tell you this morning, we are the proud product of praying parents. Listen, I have so many blessings in my life. Listen, God has been so good to me in my life, and it's not because of me. It's because of the influence of godly parents in my life. The things of God were valuable to them, and, oh, I reaped the benefits from that. You know, I think it ought to be considered child abuse for a mom and dad to live ungodly. It ought to be considered child abuse. Why? Because you're denying your children the blessings, the protection, the providence, the hand of God. Listen, you're denying them what God could be doing in your home if you would just get God in the center of your house just like Obed-Edom did. We've got to understand the things that mean something to God and the value of life. The Bible says here is virtue. Number two, let's skip down to verse 27 real quickly. The Bible says she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Now, verse 27 really just sums up verse 11 all the way down through verse number 26. When you read all of those verses, I don't know about you, I get tired just reading them. This was a busy woman. Look up to verse number 12, or verse number 13. She seeketh wool and flax and works with her hands. The Bible says she's like a merchant ship bringing in food from afar off. Look, I've seen some of your teenagers eat. I understand that well. Like a merchant ship bringing food in and out, nonstop making deliveries. The Bible says in verse 15, she gets up while it is night, giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. On and on. Verse 16, she gets into real estate. You go on down in verse 19, she works the spindle and she sews. All of these things that are here. But verse 27 sums it all up. The Bible says, she looketh well to the ways of her household. She looketh well to the ways of her household. If there's something I can say about moms, and I know just about most of the moms that are here today, moms are always looking to something, aren't they? Always looking. i mean, getting the kids' lunches together. Getting the kids clothes washed, running home, getting the kids clarinet if they leave it at home. Uh, They're always having to look about, that was just a random illustration, they're just always looking after something, all right? So this is why number two is so important. Notice, if you will, the vision of her life. The vision of her life. Not only did she understand the value of her life, but notice the vision of her life. Now, what does vision speak of? Vision speaks of focus, You know, you can see what her focus was by what she gave her attention to. You look at verse number 13 all the way down to verse number 26, and you can see that she had a vision. She had focus in her life. She had priorities in her life. You know, if you want to get a sneak peek at what your life and the legacy of your life is going to leave behind, all you need to do is see what your focus is today. Right. If you want to know what kind of testimony you're going to leave behind as a mom, as a dad, as a Christian, all you have to do is look at what you're focusing in on right now. Because what your focus is in life is what's going to leave fruit in your life. And sadly, oftentimes, our focus is not on the things that are valuable to God. You can see her focus. Look down, if you will, real quickly. Verse 13, she seeketh wool and flags and worketh willingly with her hands. I'm going to tell you that word worketh is very important. If you want to leave behind a testimony of the role model of the Christian that you ought to be this morning, you're going to have to work at it. At our marriage retreat here just a few weeks ago, or just a few weeks ago, last week, it all runs together. In the past, it was in the past. Though I, I, I taught in the last session on how real love gives. For God so loved the world that he gave, love gives. We talked about you got to work on it. Marriage is a labor of love. I know some of your husbands, look, some of you ladies really got to work at it. It's a labor of love. What is she doing to fulfill the role, to leave the example that she's going to leave? She's working at it. She's giving her attention to it and her focus to it. Now, folks, understand you're not going to leave behind a godly testimony of a Christian role model if you don't work at it. You're not going to leave behind a testimony that others could follow and find direction in their life, particularly your own children, if you're not willing to put some time, some effort, and some focus in. Remember this this morning. Attention reflects affection. Attention reflects affection. So, what do you mean by that? The things you give your attention to are things that you care about. The things we give our attention to are the things we care about. I have no doubt in my mind that her children and her husband felt loved. Why? Because she gave them her attention. I told you before, the the gentleman that I met at Cracker Barrel here a few months ago was witnessing to him, wanted to share Christ with him, and uh, he was sitting there eating his dinner, and I didn't want to interrupt his dinner with the Holy Spirit, kind of let us go talk to him for a few minutes and Uh, He, boy, gave me the, the greatest advice that I shared with you just a few weeks ago. He says, you'll make time for the things that are important to you. You'll make time for the things that are important to you. But John mentions all the time about why so often our young ladies get carried off out into the world by some young man who doesn't care about the things of God, doesn't lead them the way God would have them to lead their home. Oftentimes, it's simply because he showed her attention. When oftentimes dads don't. I know it's not Father's Day, all right? Even though our ladies are smiling, like, yeah, get on them for a minute. Folks, look, our children know we care. God knows we care by the things that we give our attention to. What does John fifteen thirteen say? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay his life down for his friends. Look, the effort that you make, the focus of your attention to lay your life down, if you laid your life down for me, I would just go ahead and assume that you at least like me a little bit. Or maybe even some of you might even love me a little bit. I don't know. But to do that, to give your attention, to give of yourself, certainly that would mean, hey, that I am the focus of your attention. But oftentimes in our life, we don't leave the testimony of the the role model that we should be. Why? Because our focus is off. We're focused on other things. We're one of the most distracted cultures, I think, that has ever walked the planet Earth. I'll give you a sad statistic. I pulled out my phone before I came through that door a moment ago, and I looked at the list of all the different types of pictures we have on our phones now, and I looked at the selfies section. You ever looked at that? It gives you a number of how many selfies you have on your phone. I'm fixing to confess before you. I have 2,945 selfies on my phone. Now, here's the good news. I'm not vain. Most of the time, it's because she's in the picture with me, all right? That's worth taking a selfie for, not by myself. But you know, we live in a very self-focused society. It's all about me and what I want and my desires. Look down, if you will. I want you to see all the personal pronouns in here. The Bible says, verse 12, she will do him good. Doesn't sound like she's focused on herself. She's selfless. You look on down, verse number 15, she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. All down through here, you'll read what she's doing for others. If you look down, the Bible says that she, she reaches out her hand to the poor. What is she doing? She has good vision. She has good vision. Can I tell you something we need this morning? Some moms, some wives, and we need some Christians in general who have good vision. Their focus is right. We live in such a self-absorbed society. We're focused in on ourselves, And in the end, can I tell you what the fruit of our life is going to be? What the focus of our life was. The fruit of our life, what we have at the end of the road. I know we get to the end of the road. Listen, by the way, the closer to the end of the road you get, the more about the things of God you start thinking about, don't you? If only we could think like that now. And at the end of our life, we want to have something to lay at the feet of Jesus, but the only things we're going to have to lay at the feet of Jesus were things we took the time to focus in on in our life. And the reason God used her as an example of who we should be is because she had good vision. She was focused on the things she needed to be focused on. I asked our kids years ago when I was a youth pastor at my dad's church, we interviewed our kids with a camera. Remember that? We videoed them. We asked them questions about their parents. We had to edit the video, to be honest with you, not to shame some of the parents. And we thought about doing that here, but, uh, you know, maybe a little too soon, two years in to do that, to get run off. But it was neat asking them a question, who cooks better, mom or dad? It was probably 50-50, wasn't it? You know, how old is your mom and how old is your dad? It was amazing how old they thought some of their parents were. Uh, You know, I didn't want them to ask me or ask my daughter about that with me for sure. We asked them, you know, what did mom do good and dad do good? But we asked them, if your dad or your mom was famous for something, what would they be famous for? Some of them I could not mention. Nothing horrific, but just distasteful, we'll put it that way. What would your mom and dad be famous for? I mean, it, and then we put it up on the screen in dad's church, and we played it for them to watch. We ought to do that, Brother John, next year. would that be so great? On the Sunday night service, let's do that. And we're going to interview your, look, you have a year's notice to brainwash them and convince them that they don't know you as well as they do know you, okay? And we'll put it up there on the screen, we can see that. But it was amazing. What is your dad known for? My dad can cook biscuits. Like, oh, never knew that. What does your mom know? I mean, one lady, I think she played the saxophone or something. I mean, it's those quiet people that you never would think it. They're always saxophone players. It was amazing. Never would have thought it. I wonder this morning, if we went around to our children, and we ask our children, what is your mom or dad famous for? I wonder what they would say. Do you know what they would say? They would show us real quickly what our focus is. Look, nothing wrong with working. But be careful being a workaholic. Missing out on your kids growing up. I know there's hobbies, things to do, hunting, fishing. Listen, I enjoy all of that stuff as well, but they're only little ones. Right now, we're supposed to be training them up in the way they should go. Right now, we're supposed to be spending our time investing our life in theirs. Why? So that they go on to leave a role model life themselves. We want to know what our focus is this morning. Our focus is what we give our attention to. And we look, we see the vision of her life. She's constantly serving others with her life. Sounds like Luke Luke 2, 4. The Bible says, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. If you're not careful, you'll get so self-absorbed in your life and what you want, you'll forget about the role that you're leaving behind, and the steps you're leaving to follow. Brother John, did we get those pictures I sent? I sent them kind of late. If you remember a little over two years ago, I preached Missions Conference here, and I used an illustration, I wanna show you that same picture again, uh, of a couple that went to Disney World, Alex and Donna Vutinzas, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. On their wedding day, they were looking at family portraits. And as they looked at these family portraits, they noticed that, uh, I believe that the Donna is there on the bottom right-hand corner, but as they looked in the, the back of the picture to the left, I believe we have one with, uh, the picture's called out a little bit, they noticed a gentleman that looked familiar. The gentleman in the picture would one day be that little girl's father-in-law. They lived thousands of miles away from each other but had visited Disney World at the exact same time and the little boy that's in the stroller would go on to be her husband one day. All these years they looked at that picture and never ever realized who was in the background. Never realized who was there. The love of her life, the one day, listen, the husband that she would marry, the father of her children was in the same picture. But do you know why oftentimes we miss... The focus of our true love is because we're focused on ourself and the forefront of the picture. Oftentimes, God gets relegated to the background of the picture. Oftentimes, the things of God, watch this, and what's valuable to God, they get lost in the background of life. Why? Because we're focused on ourself and the forefront of the picture And oh, we're missing out on the love of our life, that first love, that true love with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Could I beg you this morning, lost or saved, listen, find Christ and bring him to the forefront of your life. He doesn't need to be relegated to the background of your life. Luke 9, the Bible says, and he said unto them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Look, if we want to leave a good example in the role model, listen, not only to our children, but to those who come behind us, we've got to realize we're going to have to learn to follow in the footsteps of Christ and be selfless. Be selfless, not see our, ourselves. The story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, I'll give you this and I'll give you the last point. Luke chapter 10, we read the story about the priest and the Levite who come along and the Samaritan was laying there half dead in the ditch. But you know, they had something on their mind. Somewhere they were going, something they had to do. And they overlooked the needs in the life of the man who was laying there in the ditch. But listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 10. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Stop there. The Bible says when he saw him, he had to divert his attention. I'm certain the Samaritan was going somewhere. It may not have been as important as the other guys, but look, his life was just as important to him as as their life was to them. And he's on his way somewhere to do something, and lo and behold, he sees the man laying in the ditch. And then what did he do? The Bible says he bound him up, pouring in oil, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Do you know the man that was laying there in the ditch, half dead, I'll guarantee you he felt loved. He felt loved. you know why? Because that man focused his attention on him, and helped meet the need that he had in his life. Folks, look, Do you know why the church is failing? And by the way, we are. The church in America is failing. You know why we're failing? Because our attention is focused on what we want and where we're going, and we don't realize that America is that man laying in the ditch dying, and if we don't focus our attention where it needs to be focused on what's valuable to God, we're going to lose this thing. It's all about vision and our focus. So number two, The vision of her life. She had a good focus. If we want to be a role model, we've got to understand the value of life. What's valuable is what's valuable to God. And the vision of her life was on others. It was not on self. And then finally, we look on down. The Bible says in verse number 28, her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praiseth her. Now before I give you the third things kids, husbands, could I get you to pay close attention to that? We ask a whole lot of our moms. We do. And the mother figures in our life. I know a lot of us, look, we have ladies in our life that have been a blessing to us. We ask a lot of them. It wouldn't hurt every once in a while to bless them and to praise them. Buy her some flowers. But the Bible says, when I read verse 20, or, or, uh, when I read verse 28, the Bible says her children arise up and call her blessed. I couldn't help but think about a jury. You know, you present a case. At the end of the case, it goes to the jury. And they look at the jury foreman and they ask the jury foreman, Do you have a verdict? And they say, Yes, we have a verdict. And he stands up and he reads the verdict. You know what the verdict, verdict is? It's the outcome. Here's the outcome. And he gives the verdict of the case. And I believe this is what her children are doing. They're standing up, and she's not speaking for herself. Her children are speaking for her. Finally, I want you to notice one more thing. Notice the verdict of her life. It's easy for us to talk about what we've done, where we've been, and who we are. But in the end, one day, we're not going to be able to speak for ourselves. We'll we'll be with the Lord. And the only thing that will speak for us is our life, as Abel's life spoke for him. The Bible says here that her children arise up. They're giving the verdict on her life and call her blessed. You know, one of the greatest motivators of our life should simply be the brevity of it. You know what ought to motivate us to be the role model Christian that we should be? Is a simple fact that life is short. One day we're going to be gone. And what lives behind us will be the testimony that we left behind as we lived Watch this. You know, at the end of your life, you have a will, last will and testament, and you get to write that before, all right? Right before you die, you don't get to write down your testimony, this is what I want to be known for. No, it doesn't work that way. You're going to be known for the life that you live. Right now, each and every one of us, we're writing our testimony, and we're going to be gone. Our life's going to be over, and the only thing to speak for us is going to be our testimony and the testimony of the lies of others that we've touched. That's the verdict. Just the other night, how tragic it was. Uh, we heard the, the, the fire engines and the cops. Uh, not far off of Edward Street, I believe, Annie Christie Street over here, plane crashed after 11 o'clock coming in for graduation USM. Plane crashed into a gentleman's home. Cost him his life. Brother Richard, remember that was the street we went soul winning on. Uh, Leslie and I, and Miley and Brother Richard, we went soul winning on that street ahead of Christmas. I don't know if you knocked on that door or I knocked on that door. One of us knocked on those doors, and that plane would crash in that gentleman's house i sure he, ne- he never thought in a million years that a plane would crash into his house, he would lose his life, but life is brief. We don't know how much time we have to write the story and to leave the example. Therefore, knowing one day our lives will leave behind a verdict, why don't we start living a life that's going to leave the testimony that we would like to hear? Right now, we're doing that. In closing, I was thinking about when we stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. Second Corinthians 5, I'll read you here in just a second. The Bible says that we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Those of us that are saved, and I hope you are, and if you're not, you can be before you leave here today. The Bible says we're going to stand before him, and you know what he's going to give us? The verdict of our life. The verdict. Now, if you're saved, you're saved. If you're standing at the judgment seat of Christ, you're saved, you're sealed, you cannot lose it. But we're going to give an account for what we did in this life. As I read this verse where the Bible says her children rise up, oh, I hope one day my daughter will rise up and say, you know what, he wasn't the prettiest guy in the world, couldn't sing very good, but man, he was faithful. I hope she rises up one day and said, dad was faithful. But fast forward a little further down the road, I hope that when I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, that my father rises up and he says, well done. The verdict At that moment, it's going to be too late to change the verdict of whether I was faithful. Verse 10, 2 Corinthians 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body. According to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. What is he telling us? One day there's going to be a verdict. We're going to reach the end of our life. And the Lord's going to know all too well who we were or who we were not. And oh, that our Father would rise up and say, well done. Well done. I'll promise you, whatever you're pursuing, earthly possessions in this life, whatever status you're pursuing in this life, I'll promise you, you'd trade it all at that instant just to hear well done. But where does that begin? Where does that begin? Well, number one, it begins with the value of life. You've got to know it's valuable to God. So much of what we put stock in this world, it's all going to burn up one day. We're going to leave it behind. So what's the value of life? What do you value in this life? What's the value? What do you look at? What are you striving for? What are you working for in your life? And then, watch this, the way you can tell that is by the vision of your life. What are you focused in on? And whatever the vision of your life is and the focus of your life is, that's going to determine what your verdict is. So when you stand before God, can I ask you a question? What's he going to say when he rises up? What is he going to say? Well, you're going to say he was a good guy. He, You know what? He was a funny guy, had a great sense of humor. Number one, listen, are you saved? Is he going to say, depart from me, I never knew you? Have you ever trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? My wife, let me listen to a song the other day. Wonderful, wonderful song. I don't know the title of it. Uh, it was about a uh, sung by a young family talking about their grandfather being a preacher. And it says he used to tell the story of Jesus and the song, uh, the story of the gospel and the good news of the gospel, but one day I made it mine. Have you ever made the story of the good news of the gospel yours? Have you trusted Christ as your personal savior? Do you know for sure if you died right now, you're going to heaven? You can, you know, that's the greatest legacy you can leave behind to your children. Just last night, one of our members, Miss Turnage, Lewis called and said his wife, Uh, Went home to be with the Lord last night. She had been going through some illness and some ailment in her life. And I said, isn't it good to know that she had put her faith and trust in Jesus? And we know where she's at. What a testimony she left behind. That she's better now than she's ever been. Would your children have that testimony this morning? Moms, can I ask you? Wives, can I ask you, would your husband, would your children know if you died right now that you're in heaven? Oh, you can leave that testimony this morning. If you are saved, can I ask you, are you living a life that leaves behind a pattern that they can follow? What do you value in life? What's your vision, what's your focus in life? And that determines our verdict in life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stop there, let's stand to our feet, no one's looking around. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The making of a role model begins with value. What do you value? What are you working for in this life? What is your vision, what are you focused in on? That's going to decide your verdict this morning. Let's make sure our priorities are where they need to be, that our children would have an example to follow even after we're gone. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for the example of this Proverbs 31 Christian, who, Father, valued the things that you valued. She had a vision much like the vision you have. Lord, she saw others and not self, and she sought out things, Lord, preparing for the future. I pray that, Father, you'll help this morning. There's one here who hasn't trusted you as Savior, that, that, Father, they'll see the only thing that matters today is for them to come to know you as their Savior and to make you theirs. Lord, I pray for the saved that are here today. Help us get our priorities and our focus where it needs to be. That, Father, we would hear that verdict of well done one day, that our children could rise up. And, Lord, not only call us blessed, but follow in our footsteps as well. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads